here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Pat McCarthy, alongside my co-host, Scott Rudolph. Again, we are here to talk about quarterbacks and tight ends this week. We, uh, we're we going to stick with the same, I guess, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, format? Would it be a format? That would be it. Thank you. I just totally hey. brain farted. Appreciate nope. it. To- I, and I could smell it from here. <laughs> <laughs> so you're good. Don't Don't sweat it. So, yeah, so we're going to stick with the same format that uh, that we've been going with for our running backs and our wide receivers, which is basically figuring out which quarterbacks and tight ends we are a little bit farther apart on and discussing those guys and why we feel, you know, obviously higher or lower than than uh, the other. Definitely. I mean, obviously, this is quarterbacks are an interesting part of fantasy football. Some people do value them, uh, you know, based on their season totals or the fact that, again, you have people that are getting you, you know, in the top 10 to 12, they're probably getting you solid 20 points a game, depending on bonuses, different things factored in. And then also, if you want to include that, you do have some quarterbacks that are fleet of foot that can get out of the pocket and suddenly become uh, more instrumental in the running game. I mean, we've seen it from when we were kids where everybody was a pocket passer and and you had Randall Cunningham, you had your Steve Youngs, and there were some guys prior to our watch, you know, Fran Tark, and you had guys that got out of the pocket, Archie Manning, people that scrambled uh, to make things happen. Uh, Nowadays, you have to be 360 degrees. You have to have every piece of the pie to be that quarterback. Um, Again, you still have your Tom Brady's of the world that just, Tell everybody to shove it, but you know, <laughs> he's gonna play till he's 60 and he's just Tom Brady. There's no getting out of the way. But yeah, um, he doesn't he doesn't count when you talk about uh, normal human beings. No, uh Brandon Graham knows him really well uh for the Super Bowl. <laughs> but you know, we, we we won't get into that. They've, they've met. Yes, yeah, he shook hands actually, right? That's why he <laughs> dropped the ball. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it again, we do have some uh differing opinions. I mean, some new faces, some new faces in new places, and uh, some people that are coming back from injury that I think, uh, you know, uh, again, it, it's going to be interesting to see where this season takes us based on a 17-game schedule, you know, depending on how far into your league you go with that. Obviously, certain leagues and teams might take it all the way to that 17th week now is at it. Some people like to cut it off early so they maximize their best players. You know, again, it's it's a weekly game. So we're going to try to help you out on both the week and the season. All right, man. So let's kick this thing off. For the most part, we're pretty we're pretty status quo with standard quarterback ADP. And we're talking about just so everyone's clear, we're talking about, you know, your normal one QB leagues here. Obviously, um, you know, the rankings are are still the rankings, regardless of whether you're doing super flex or stuff like that. But when we're talking about ADPs and stuff like that, we're talking about your standard one quarterback, a non-super flex league. So um, so we're pretty we're pretty right on the the consensus, the ADP as far as you know, uh Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen at the top. Um, I guess the first place where we really start to differ. Uh, is actually who we each have ranked five. So we'll start with uh, your fifth ranked quarterback, Jalen Hurts. You have him five. I have him 11. Right now he is going uh, in the ninth round, roughly. He's he's up roughly the 13th quarterback going off the board. So uh, either way, both of us are a little bit higher on him than, you know, the consensus, but uh, you're you're much higher and and I'm, I'm interested to to hear why, other than the fact that, you know, he's your team's starting quarterback. Well, I, and and again, not not to go super homer. It was it was interesting to see. You know, last year, obviously, uh, I'm a big Carson Wentz fan. Uh, I, I would say, you know, part of the LTBB. If you listen to WIP here in Philly, and I was just, I'm still just stunned at, at what happened there. And to, I guess you want to say hedge bets, you know, you, you maybe take the guy who's the backup and you, you see what's going on. And like a lot of fans were kind of stunned that the Eagles picked him with a second round pick and and the whole backstory and, and 
20, uh, 2020 was just, just an insane year for that team to see what happened. Uh, once he got on the field, it was very interesting. I, I mean, he has been, uh, polarizing to an, to an extent, but I mean, looking at what he's done in college and, and, you know, for some people, he he's maybe a little unfulfilled with transfers and, and championship games, but I mean, to look at, again, that next level of quarterback that can do it with his arms, that can do it with his legs. Uh, he came in, he had a couple gimmick plays, but then he came in relief in the Green Bay game and seemed like there was a little bit of a spark. And then they decided to send uh, send Carson to the bench and, and put him in. And that was the turning point for him. And he comes out and is just lights out in his first start against the New Orleans Saints, who at the time were rolling, had the number one defense in the league. And he made him look silly. And, and I mean, the, the game itself that he played, like here in Philly, a lot of people do, you know, look around and see things happen and, and always wonder why me. And to see that come through and him play damn near a, a, an almost perfect game uh, to an extent, again, against a team like that. Now, he was not perfect by any stretch um, passing wise. You know, he, he had some incompletions and, and things of that nature. But. Uh, to see the mobility, uh, to to run for over 100 yards, that just gave everybody, oh my God, like this might actually be happening. Uh, he put up numbers for the rest of the season, albeit in losses. And then at the end of the season, you turn around and see where, you know, they were trying to lose a game against Washington and it just turned into whatever. He, he did amass some points through the season. Uh, so call it four and a half games with with a couple plays that he was on the field for. But to see four and a half games go and to see Jalen Hurts still finish in the top 35 at quarterback, he played four and a half games. I, I'm impressed. I, I tried to sit there and actually look at some of his stats and prorate them just from last year if you did it over a 17-game season. And looking at what he would have put up, and I know there's a knock on him for accuracy and things of that nature, but... Uh, it looks like he would have thrown for, again, these are all hypotheticals, that he would have thrown for about 3,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, 14 picks, and taken about 44 sacks. And that was par for the course with the Eagles. Offensive line was poor. Wide receiver play was poor. Uh, but he still would have thrown for for a reasonable amount of yards, especially as a rookie, um, you know, just getting involved. Uh, the big part there is the other side of the ball where the running game, maybe he would have had close to it, but again, just averaging it out, uh, he would have had a close to 200 attempts and he would have had close to maybe 1200 yards with 10 rushing touchdowns. Again, ball control an issue. Uh, he definitely would have had some fumbles and things of that nature. But if you've based that off of PPR stats, for instance, like the ones that we have in, in our league, passing wise, uh, he would have accounted for 222 points with, with some change. Rushing-wise, he would have accounted for 173. Uh, you put those all together, and he would have had 395 points uh, with a little change on the back end. And, and that would have been, in our league, he would have been quarterback number two. He would have averaged 23 points a game. That's that's a fantasy quarterback. I mean, again, you look at what Josh Allen did last year. You, know, you look at Kyler Murray, and again, physically, Kyler Murray is not as strong as Jalen Hurts. Aaron Rodgers had a season for the ages, which got left on the plate. Uh, that was a shame for him. But uh, looking at what Jalen Hurts brought to the table and what's happening right now in training camp with him, the rest of the world is is just writing him off and figuring the Eagles are just going to make this trade for Deshaun Watson down the road. We talked about him uh, a, a little bit, and we're going to get back into him. But I mean, at the end of the day, I, hearing what what's going on, seeing the wide receivers finally playing. And again, that goes with the coaching staff as well. And if you look around in other circles, some of these guys and gals that know their fantasy, they see that the dual threat action, the ability to do what he does in a very small sample size. Now you're going to give him the opportunity. He's playing for his job because the Eagles have two first rounders and a potential third first round pick all on the table for next year. So he's playing for a job in Philly, maybe somewhere else. This is his audition. And he got benched at Alabama and eventually transferred to Oklahoma. So he's used to having to move on and make things happen, but it shows that he can do it. And, and as a young man, to be able to do that, to get into the NFL, his team is behind him 100%. And, and you have some veterans that have a Super Bowl ring that are all about the guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with any of those points. I do think that he's got the potential to be a top five quarterback, no doubt, especially with that rushing baseline that you get from him. Uh, it, you know, like you said, I extrapolated those numbers out too during my research, and I got pretty much the same thing you did. Uh, I think my math's probably a little bit better, but uh, we, we were close. So, yeah, like you said, number two uh, in a point on a points per game basis again. Four games is a very small sample size to sort of extrapolate out into a full season, but uh, you gotta you gotta work with what you're given, and and what we were given from from Hertz was four games, and so that's what we kind of have to base our rankings on moving forward this year. I think the biggest uh, sort of drawbacks for me were, like you said, just the completion percentage. I, I know that uh, you know, hopefully, with some more work in camp this year and COVID last year that didn't really get a chance to have training camp and obviously coming into camp, he would have been, you know, at best a number two quarterback. So uh, how much work he actually gets with, you know, the starting wide receivers and tight ends is, is questionable anyway, but to at least sit back and learn the offense to follow Carson Wentz and, and sort of his preparation going into the season hurts. Didn't have any of that, obviously. So I think this year with the ability to sort of come in, get, get a, a training camp under his belt and, and hopefully work on, you know, his reads and his passing accuracy. I think that some of that passing accuracy will sort of automatically correct itself just based off of, you know, him knowing the offense a little bit better, knowing his teammates a little bit better and, and their tendencies and and things like that. But I think the thing that scares me about him is just the fact that, you know, I said this before, and, and it's not something that I pride myself in mentioning as an Eagles fan, but I, I really just don't think they're, the Eagles are going to be that good. Uh, I think they're going to be better on the defensive side of the ball than they are on the offensive side of the ball, which generally tends to lead to less passes, uh, closer games, uh, less offense in those games. And I think that that uh, just just leads Hurts to be a, a, and I don't want to say a middling quarterback, like he's somewhere, you know, around quarterback 16. But as far as middling, meaning, you know, that seven, eight, nine range, I think that's a little bit more likely for him to finish in that range. Than to finish, you know, top five or or completely out of say the top twelve altogether. Um, but I have I have them ranked at eleven just because there are some other guys that I just I like a little bit better and and I'm a little bit more confident in their sort of ability to finish inside that top twelve or or inside that top five, let's say, based off of you know what they have around them, past productivity stuff like that. So. That's that's really the only reason I have him eleven. I, I I don't I will totally take my shot on him in the ninth round where he's going in drafts uh, for sure. I think he's got a huge huge upside. Uh, usually, if I'm gonna do that though, I'm gonna try to back him up with another quarterback with upside, like a Matthew Stafford or you know somebody along those lines. Maybe a Joe Burrow, somebody who. Uh, could have a great year, but could also just be average. I want two of those guys. Hertz is, is definitely on my radar, but if I pick him, I definitely want to make sure that I'm getting somebody to soften that blow if he turns out to not be, uh, you know, what I guess some in the fan fantasy community, including yourself, sort of expect him to be. All right, so let's move on to Prescott. Um, he's Dak Prescott is our next quarterback that we're pretty far off on, strangely enough. I have him ranked at four. You have him ranked at 14. Uh, currently, he is going in the fifth round as the QB6 off of the board. And um, for me, I just, you know, I guess it's the same way you sort of extrapolated out Hertz's numbers from last year. I sort of did the same thing for uh, for Prescott. And for me, Prescott <clears throat> played roughly the same amount of games. He, he played in four, went out in the fifth game. So, But he, he played a decent amount of that fifth game. So so we'll call it five games altogether. Uh, if you look at what he scored in those games and just, you know, obviously just divided it by five to figure out what he scored per game. He averaged 27.8 points per game, which... Again, if you count Jalen Hurts and his four games in there, Hurts would have been the number two quarterback on a points per game basis. Dak would have been the number one quarterback on that points per game basis uh, by a good three and a half to four points. So it's, uh, 
you know, for as good of an ending to the year that Hertz had, uh, Dak Prescott had just as good, if not a better uh, beginning of the year. He basically like a, a, a more competent throwing quarterback in the NFL. He threw for 68% uh, completion percentage and uh, had 222 pass attempts in just, you know, in those five games, which, which averages out to 44.4 attempts per game, which by far would have been the highest in the league last year as far as attempts go. Again, not saying that Dallas' defense is necessarily going to be as bad as they were last year, but I can't see the, you know, a few draft picks improving things that much. Now they did also replace their defensive coordinator. So uh, th- there's a possibility that the, their defense could get better and they won't have to throw as much. But I feel like when you've got Dak Prescott as your quarterback, who's obviously, you know, he's proven over the course of his career that, you know, aside from last year, he's been a top 12 quarterback in fantasy every single year, scored over 300 points every single year. I, I feel like with a quarterback like like Prescott, your three weapons on the outside with uh, with Cooper Lamb and Michael Gallup. And then you also have Zeke out of the backfield to throw to. You've got Blake Jarwin coming back, who is a better pass catcher than Dalton Schultz. And Schultz had a good year last year, going 63 catches for 615 yards. So, I mean, the Cowboys just have weapons on offense. And if they have to use them the way they did last year, I I can't see Dak Prescott not being a top five guy. There's, There's just... He's going to have to be that in order for the Cowboys to win games. And I think that there's enough talent on that offense for that to be the case. Yeah. So, uh, again, your uh, your defense of Dak Prescott is is well earned. I I went back, to, you know, again, to look at some numbers on him and he did have some serious stats. I'm not going to take that away from him. Not that I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott's by any stretch, but. Uh, when it comes to fantasy football purposes, yeah, the, the guy puts up some numbers. Um, he, he's coming off of a very serious injury. I, I don't think anybody can say that he's not uh, a quarterback that has relied on his legs to get him where he needs to be. In his career, you know, he's been known to to be a guy to take off and run. And you look at last year, he looked like he was ready to go. I mean, it's it is you know it is a shame i mean that he got hurt the way he did that that team was rolling i mean it, again if you projected some of the numbers for him he would have thrown for over 4000 yards he 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 would have been it would have been like a season for the ages for him obviously it got cut down too quick my big worry is you have amari cooper is a wide receiver who's a little banged up and and i think he's a little banged up emotionally i, I think he's a little mad that he went from being the guy to one of the guys, and he's not going to be able to be the the most important wide receiver on, on that team. You know, that to me is part of it. I, I think that his injuries, as far as both the leg and getting healthy again, and now in camp, there's some shoulder questions, there are MRIs. He hasn't really been throwing that much. I think the layoff may have affected him a little bit. If you look at his overall finishes fantasy-wise, from what I could read, it was uh, he went, he was sixth. 10th, 10th, 2nd, and again, last year looked like he was on his way to be a top one or two before everything changed. To me, there's a lot of people that are in the way of him. If he's lost any of his mobility and his ability to score touchdowns on his feet, that to me is going to be a little bit of a problem. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, and to me, it's really just making sure that he gets back to what he was before, which is the guy that can scramble down the field to make plays. Uh, You're coming back off a pretty bad fracture. I just look at people that I think are going to finish ahead of them. I think Matthew Stafford on the Rams is going to be finally a quarterback who has a coach that really wants to play offense and and gives him some weapons. Uh, You have your Russell Wilson's ahead of him. I have Lamar Jackson ahead of him. Uh, Based on, again, he's healthy. Uh, you're not really worrying about that. And it looks like he's got some issues with his wideouts all getting hurt. So he's probably going to have to run for his life this year. Dak Prescott is definitely the potential, but there's a bunch of guys I want to put ahead of him because I'm a little concerned injury-wise with him. Again, the leg was one thing. You're definitely not going to get back to where you were, not right away. might take a season. But to know that your throwing shoulder also has issues, 
and you have three wide receivers that are begging for the ball, it doesn't go to the tight end that much. And you look at a running back who's willing to take the load. At times last year, got beat up a little bit more than you've ever seen because he was running that entire offense. I'm, I'm not seeing him being a top five quarterback. It's somewhere between maybe 14 and nine to me as a possibility. And it's no slight on their offense, but Physically, I want to see him on the field, and I want to see 2019 Dak. I I don't want to see a Dak that's lost a step. And you look at players that go through an injury like that, and sometimes they bounce right back. But he's not a kid. He's 28 years old. So, again, he's he's not fresh out of college coming off it and just knocking it away. He's got four or five seasons of of NFL beat up on his body. Again, he's been known to scramble and known to score touchdowns with his legs. He's got 24 rushing touchdowns. Uh, and I think a couple times he led the league for quarterbacks rushing touchdowns. So again, his mobility is part of what makes him dangerous. He's not a runner, but when you give him the opportunity, he takes full advantage of it. Uh, if he can step up and literally show no issue with anything with the leg and again now with maybe the shoulder, yeah, then maybe my opinion would change. But right now, uh, to me, he does fall outside of my top 10, uh, but he's still a top 15 quarterback. All right, so we also have a uh, a pretty big discrepancy. Strangely enough, we're we're right there with each other with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. It's just uh, obviously you have Dalton at twenty three. I have him at thirty seven. You have uh, Fields at thirty eight, and I have him at twenty four. So basically, almost identically flip flopped in our rankings and I'm, you know, assuming it's just because you're believing Matt Nagy in the fact that he is going to roll Andy Dalton out there and stick with him, you know, as long as the bears keep winning games, I'm assuming uh, I'm, I'm sort of on the, the other no, side I mean, of the coin there. Yeah. I mean, and obviously this weekend you saw a second half where, you know, Justin Fields looked like he had quite the opportunity to show that he's the guy. I, part of what I'm looking at is everything in the media. I mean, Matt Nagy has not been known to be maybe the smartest coach in the room. They signed Andy Andy Dalton and they said he's our starter. They have put him out there to give him that opportunity, obviously, and he has been a starter for, for several teams. He helped Dallas out a lot last year, as a matter of fact. Justin Fields comes in as a first round pick, a top guy that looks to have, again, that package of arm, mobility, the 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 new NFL total package. You know, I watched a few minutes of the the preseason game against Miami, and when they first put him out there, you could see some jitters, and you could see him not look comfortable. And again, you're out there with second and third stringers, so it's still moot. But you do want to see a little bit of an eye test when it comes to him. Uh, they went into the half, and he he didn't look that good. He had a fumble, uh, tried to make extend a play, and and did a a Madden-esque spin move. Uh, maybe you know to. To just show that he's he's got the moves. Is that the now, pound on that circle button? Oh man, all day long. I mean, yeah, he's no Barry Sanders, trust me. But when it comes down to uh, the second half and watching him come out and just unload, and again, I I was privy to a few minutes of it, had to leave for work, but I did see that he's just started to compile stats and they were in the air, they were on the ground. And I'm not, a a big caveat for a lot of this for me is the veteran quarterbacks that are in place. I feel that until it's proven that they're shaking off their spot, unless it comes out of camp that way. And if it does beforehand, yeah, I would absolutely. I think deep down, I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback, but I feel like these franchises are going to go with these guys long enough during the season and and just wait for it and wait for it and wait for it. And Dalton's the kind of quarterback who can keep the team competitive. Uh, you look at Detroit in that division, you're not scared of them. They probably consider that two wins right off the bat. The other two teams in that division, Green Bay, who looks like, again, they're on a mission. Uh, Minnesota, a little bit of a transition perhaps, uh, especially defensively. But again, the, the Bears... This is Matt Nagy's last year, probably, uh, unless he makes the playoffs. So if he's smart enough down the road with a struggling team or, or a middling team to decide, you know, what, we're going to make the switch. Sorry, this has to happen. Absolutely. I've never not been a fan of Andy Dalton, but he's always been that middle of the road kind of guy that, again, you know, I have him at 23. Uh, you have him at 38. He's not going to be on your team. I mean, if you're in some two QB league, if you're in a super flex, he's a bye week guy, or you pick him up because he's got a hot streak. He was, you know, really good with Cincinnati, but yeah, you weren't 
again, you weren't drafting him per se, let alone reaching for him. So me having him ahead of Fields isn't as much an indictment of Fields. It's it's really just the way that I think they'll kind of roll into the season where they might give Dalton three, four games, unless there's some real big issues. I personally think that, I think that Andy Dalton can, can keep the job. I don't think he's going to i think that you know like you said if they're if they're opening schedule who i I think they open against um i think they open against detroit uh excuse me they open against the rams and then they play detroit week two so the rams obviously i don't expect them to win that game detroit week two they probably should beat detroit i I feel like detroit's going to be one of the worst teams in the league but (laughs) if if they i think if they go zero and two and and don't win that that game that they're more than likely going to be favored in against Detroit. I, I think that's it for Dalton. And I think once Fields does take over, I mean, I, I have him ranked at 24, but that's just because I don't think he's going to obviously start. I do believe Dalton is the starter and Fields, you know, will get his opportunity at some point. But if you told me right now that, that Justin Fields was the starter week one, I'd probably have him up somewhere around 12 or 13. That's how, that's how talented I think he is. I actually researched uh, some stats of his from college and I knew he was good at Ohio state, but I didn't realize how good he, his numbers were in just two years. He threw for 5,373 yards, 63 passing touchdowns and only nine interceptions. That's a seven to one touchdown to interception ratio. Now I know that, you know, obviously NFL defenses are a lot better and seven to one is, is sort of Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady territory. But then I looked at his rushing numbers and realized that he ran the ball in those two years for an, an additional 867 rushing yards and 15 more touchdowns. And I was like, wow, man, I did not realize how special he was in college. I, I mean, I do remember watching Ohio state games and watching him play and thinking how, you know, he was really good, but I just didn't, I don't think I realized the, the numbers that he was amassing in, in just a short time at Ohio state. So I do think it's just a matter of time before he gets in there. And I think that I would draft Justin Fields late, keep him on my bench and, and just kind of, you know, wait for the, for the, his opportunity to get into that starters role. And I think you got yourself a potential top 12 quarterback. No, I, again, I, I think Justin Fields is beyond talented. And yes, looking at those numbers in an interesting Big Ten that sometimes you can beat up on some of them teams, your your Indianas and your Marylands and your Rutgers of the world. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, even back in the day, he was originally, I think he committed to Penn State and then bounced and went to Ohio State or he transferred or something. Yeah, he was a transfer. Um, yeah. and And again, he comes from... From Georgia, uh, as far as I believe, birth state. So, you know, again, he, he probably, I don't know, his high school stats, I haven't gotten that deep on him. But, yeah, he strikes me as a guy that in four or five years, he'll probably be one of the faces of the league. And I don't think we'll be debating his status uh, as far as, you know, compared to being a starter. I think we'll be debating him as being in a top five quarterback based on what what he brings to the table for points so yeah I, i'm again totally on board with justin fields i just feel like the bears will roll out good old dandy dalton for for a few weeks and again if it sticks they'll they'll go with it uh, as long as they don't do the they don't follow suit of, of philly and throw him out throw fields out for some gimmick plays and then it just fails yeah i don't think he's a gimmick guy i think you either go with him or you don't i don't think that his rushing ability is is to the point where he's going to be like a uh like a Taysom Hill where they, they mix packages in like a, like a Trey Lance that they're talking about in San Francisco, having some, you know, some, some packages specifically for him. I think either fields is a starter or he's not. And once he does become the starter, I think he's going to be pretty relevant in fantasy, but let's go ahead and move on to uh, one last quarterback that I wanted to talk about. Um, You and I sort of talked about this before the podcast a little bit. I just want to discuss Deshaun Watson uh, a little bit. I know that obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in, in his whole legal situation, and we do, we don't know for sure that he's going to play this year or that he's not. What I will say about Watson is obviously in the last three years that he's played, you know, three full seasons, he's been the QB five each year, and I don't see any reason why if he played a full season this year, uh, any of that would change. Now again, a full season. 
I don't think that his civil case, I don't think there's any resolution to that before the season starts, but I'm not opposed to drafting him again, like a Justin Fields, drafting him late, putting him on your bench. You know, we mentioned in our uh, episode, our our initial episode, the, the draft tips and strategies about utilizing that IR spot. I think that Deshaun Watson is a, an excellent candidate for something like that this year, drafting him, you know, with one of your last few picks. And then if he does get on that commissioner's exempt list, which seems like is a probable place for him to end up, go ahead and move him into your IR, keep him there, pick somebody up off of the waiver wire that you could have drafted in the 15th round or whatever. And now you've got Deshaun Watson in case he does play. I don't think anybody's going to trade for him until there's more information about his legal situation. But if something does happen and he does get traded to, uh, you know, a team that makes sense, like let's say Denver with all of the talent they have at the wide receiver and tight end position. I just think that there's a potential there for him to be a top five quarterback again this year, maybe not all year, but on a you know week to week basis, there's an opportunity to be it for him to be a top five guy. And uh, I just, I don't think you could just pass on that because you're unsure of, you know, whether he's going to play this year or not, especially, like I said, if, if you're able to put him in to like an IR spot or something like that. Deshaun Watson, the player, he, you know, again, you have him down at 19, and again, like you said, you're, you're looking at more of a stash, a wait and see, because you're still not you're still not 100% sold on maybe whether or not he's got anything that's going to hold him back. And he's been showing up to camp and doing everything he needs to, to do. And, you know, the coaches, they all say the same. He shows up, he does his job, he puts in the time, he does the work. But the biggest thing is... To see what came out today kind of to me is is the cherry on top that, you know, whether or not it's it's legit, but the three letters that I saw today were FBI. And this, while be it a civil case, if if you're if if you have some borderline class action lawsuit by this many women uh, based on what's happened to him, uh, again, allegations, he has not been convicted or, or anything of that nature. But you see how much of this is is floating around right now. And to see that was mentioned, and, and again, a direct quote was that Tony Busby told the association, uh, the Associated Press that the FBI reached out to me and I responded. That to me is the ultimate red flag where I think, you know, the league wants to protect the shield no matter what. But they'll turn on this guy in a second if he's going to drag him down. You have a franchise that even with Deshaun Watson on their team, isn't expected to do much. Again, he's their whole team. He's the highlight reel. He's the guy they need to build around. But that franchise has been taken on water for a while. You saw J.J. Watt, who was the franchise, walk away from it. Uh, They let Bill O'Brien destroy that team and trade away Hopkins for a beat-up David Johnson and, and a bag of balls kind of thing. Like, They've made some quirky trades, uh, getting Laramie Tunsil in there. This whole franchise isn't run right. It sounds it sounds almost like it's it's Washington South. Uh, you know, you, you hear Daniel Snyder and and what's gone on there, and they slapped him on the wrist and did some stuff. But now to see that a player of his caliber, a franchise guy, a face of the league, and this comes out, and and you see that those were those again that word, those three letters, FBI comes out to me. I'm done. There's no way I would get involved with this player because that's great. He comes out and he plays four games, six games for you. And again, he might win you weeks, but the slap down that could come on a suspension from the league alone, let alone if he gets drug into court and things of that nature, like it's just, there's nothing there to tell me that, that this is going to end well for anybody. And I feel that it's a shame because at least on the field, um, you know, talented young player. And I hope that somehow this isn't true or, or it's embellished. But uh, again, you're bordering on like the the Bill Cosby levels of, of that many people coming out. And we've seen what's happened there. You know, the league, the team, uh, it, to me, it's a matter of time before they cut ties with them. You say FBI to me for Deshaun Watson and I'm done. I agree. I don't, I'm not drafting him as a top 10 quarterback. I was talking more about drafting him late if there's a lot of other people in your league that that are like you who just are like yeah now i'm done with the guy you know whether it be for fear of him not playing or just you know some people will just not draft a guy because 
they're like, nah, I'm not cool with what he allegedly did. That that's fine. And and I'm not saying that you you know, you have to go out and get this guy. I'm just saying if he doesn't get drafted, I'll, I'll pick him up. I'll, like I said, if he ends up being IR eligible, I'll keep him on my IR spot until I need that spot for somebody else. And if I don't, I'll just hold him there for the entire season until, I mean, who knows? I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You know, the, the, the whole FBI thing that came out today, that was actually sort of good news for him. The FBI is actually questioning some of the women in that case and and questioning Deshaun Watson himself because he's actually sort of, I, I guess, a counter accusing uh, at least one of those women with trying to extort money from him. So this is sort of his playback at, you know, you're accusing me of something. Well, you know, now I'm, uh, you know, I'm also accusing you of tr- trying to get something from me. So um, again, I'm not saying that I know anything about the the legal situation other than than you know what I've read. But as far as fantasy football goes, not not talking real football here. To have a guy like that who who can produce at that level, yeah, sure, I'll stick him on my bench. But but again, that's just me, and and I don't necessarily know that everybody else is is going to think that way. And if he never pans out, or if he doesn't pan out at all this year. Then what you know? What did it cost me other than a roster spot that I wasn't using anyway? Is all true? Uh, yeah. If if you want to stash them, go for it. I, I think that you're well within your rights to do it. Uh, for me, you feel that it's worth it to hang on to them because maybe it shakes out. But personally, I I would just stay away. And that's where again you and I agree to disagree on that. I I got burnt. I think back in the day with uh, Adrian Peterson when everything mm-hmm. went down with him back in the day, and I just. You know, and part of it for me too is personal on, on a certain level where I just, I'm a guy who doesn't take Cowboys, Giants, or Washington football team players because I'm an Eagles fan. So I see somebody like that on my team and I, I would just downgrade him and stay away, but I'm just an idiot. Let's dive into the tight ends because we have a few of these guys that we want to talk about as well. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to cut the tight end short. They already sure to get the short end of the stick in fantasy for the most part. So except for maybe your top few guys. So I don't want to cut them off and, and not give them some talk here on the podcast. So so the first guy that we're going to talk about is Logan Thomas of the Washington football team. I'm surprised you even looked at his name uh, considering he plays for for Washington. But uh, uh, you actually have him ranked uh, higher than I do. Uh, believe it or not, you have him ranked at five. I have him ranked at 11. He's going in, you know, your PPR drafts. He's going as the tight end nine in around the ninth round. Um, so he's sort of right in between where we have him ranked. Last year finished sixth overall. Let me, I'll start with him because, because I have some, I have some numbers that I'll, I'll go over and, and I'm sure. You probably have some some numbers that will rebut some of the stuff that I'm saying, but uh, so his his sixth overall finish last year ended up coming on 110 targets, which for me I don't think that that with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback is necessarily uh, repeatable. He's not a big play guy. He made most of his hay in the red zone. He had uh, six touchdown receptions last year. All six of them were were in the red zone. He didn't have a single play on the season over 30 yards. And I know, you know, as a tight end, that's not necessarily uh, you don't see those guys going for for 80 and a touchdown very often. But the fact that he didn't do that, not saying that he's not able to, but the fact that we didn't see it last year does raise a little bit of concern as to, uh, you know, his explosiveness in the passing game and and what he can bring if he doesn't get that same number of targets as he did last year, which again, with the addition of Curtis Samuel, with you know what we're hearing out of Washington about the increased usage of Antonio Gibson in the passing game, uh, they still have J.D. McKissick there, who's going to take some passes out of the backfield. But the biggest thing for me is Fitzpatrick, he's not the type of quarterback that really targets his tight ends all that much. He tends to favor his number one guy. I mean, Fitzpatrick is he's a Harvard guy, so he's he's pretty smart. He tends to throw the ball to his best option as early and as often as possible, which is a really good thing for Terry McLaurin. But I think, unfortunately, a bad thing for Logan Thomas. I think if he if he remains a a valuable piece in the red zone the way he did last year. I think he'll finish with less targets, less receptions, 
probably less yardage, but with better quarterback play could potentially finish with a few more touchdowns. But I don't think that brings him much higher than, you know, maybe a top 10 guy. But, but again, that's my opinion. And that's sort of the way I see his his role in, in Washington being this year. I don't disagree with your assumption as much as maybe you would think. Uh, looking at the different guys that we have in place in, in our rankings, tight end wise, I think it's hard to see maybe that much regression. I, again, I get what you're saying with Fitzpatrick being a guy who maybe doesn't target them as much. He is going to come into an offense that's going to demand that he does, you know, again, follow a script, follow a playbook. You're going to build a rapport in camp with guys. And the thing with Fitzpatrick, if you're going to look at him on a, on a whole level there is that he's been a journeyman. I mean, you know, his, his best years were with the Jets, I, I guess, I guess you want to say that. I mean, every time you see him, you're, you're pulling for the guy, you're rooting for the guy. Cause you do see where he just, He's a scrappy quarterback. You, you'd almost, you I, I almost, I don't want to say you'd want him on your team, but you know, again, he he is a guy that you do see that cuts it out. And yeah, he's you know he's been known for his smart. To see what Logan Thomas put up last year, again, another guy who's a journeyman. He's bounced around for a few different teams for a few different years now. You know, he he was with Arizona, Buffalo, rod it in Detroit, and comes around and goes to Washington and has a career season. And it wasn't a like you said, it wasn't something that was maybe epic where he was making all these crazy plays, but he just put in the work. He, he became a dependable guy for a team that had Dwayne Haskins <laughs> was your quarterback there for, for a little bit. And then you, you had Alex Smith and you ended up with, you know, uh, Heineke and, and those guys that, that kind of got you over the hump, so to speak again. And they were uh, the skinniest kid at fat camp. They won the division and and went into the playoffs. And And again, you looked at, you were more focused on the Alex Smith story, but he was a guy, I think, last year who kind of got lost in the shuffle for what he really did as a contributor, uh, known as a blocker a little bit too. But, yes, he he can get out and make the catches. He's only been in the league for a little bit. There was a spell where he was out of the league for, looks like, about three years. So, I mean, to see him come back, to dedicate himself and and see his game totals increase and to see his numbers increase, he looks like a guy who is on the cusp of, being a player that he's not going to be a Travis Kelsey making 20 yard plays down the field and, and stretching the defense out. That's why they have McLaurin. That's why they got, like you said, Curtis Samuel. Uh, they have a couple other young players and yeah, supposedly the they're looking to make uh, Antonio Gibson into Christian McCaffrey, which uh, if you can make that happen, then again, you've taken away everything off the team and he's going to run for, you know, it's all purpose will be 2000 yards and this conversation's pointless. I I think that he's a guy who to see him get the volume that he did from maybe check downs and, and things like that is one concept. But if he if he's a guy that they know they can go to, and I think a lot of teams in the league now are starting to see the tight end position become more and more important, where, again, previously you were a blocker and a gimmicky guy that went out and made a play into a point where if you have the athleticism, you can command the football. Again, he's not a Travis Kelsey. He's not a uh, big shot Bob Tanyan by any stretch. But no, he he definitely, I think he's going to be a player that people are going to overlook. All right, next up is Zach Ertz. <laughs> you uh, you recently moved him up in your rankings. I know, uh, you know, we we have updated our rankings a few times in the offseason. We try not to go nuts, and at least I I try not to go nuts and tweak my rankings based off of every piece of news and every highlight reel and, you know, everything that comes out in training camp. I, I try to take it all in and, and sort of, you know, maybe once a week go in and make a few tweaks. But you moved Ertz up a little bit. I believe you moved Goddard down a little bit in your rankings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and a lot of that to me is still based off of, again, uh, you know, to me, Zach Ertz is, he's won me leagues. Uh, I was on a tight end train back in the day of, as a keeper and people looked at me twice. And that was just a little bit before your Kelsey's and your, your Kittles. And, and again, even look at Darren Waller, you know, he had a run of, uh, of seasons where, you know, culminating, so to speak in 2018 uh, w- with over, you know, 116 catches, got the record for tight ends. He had over a thousand yards. Yeah. Is he no yak Zach? Yes, he is. He catched his dub ball and he falls down. 
but he gets you first downs and he makes receptions and he gets touchdowns. Last year, you saw a little bit of a chink in the armor, and I think everybody was salivating over Dallas Goddard as being, oh, yeah, it's his time now. And you did lose uh, Zach Ertz for five games, and he wasn't healthy for a lot of the other ones that he played. He had a pretty bad ankle injury that seemed to take him out of sorts. And again, the Eagles offense last year as a whole was just, you you weren't sure if you were watching the same team where again, they hadn't, they weren't the greatest in the world prior to 2020, but they were never as bad as they were last year. And that's what really sunk the ship. Uh, yeah. You saw career lows and targets and receptions and yardage and yards per reception. Ironically, he did have one of his longest catches of his career, <laughs> you know, so go figure. And yeah, you only have one touchdown. There's been a lot of issues with him in a sense. Uh, he wants to get paid. He wants one of those top, tight end contracts. And unfortunately, because of his age and the timing of things, he's just not going to get it. He's still making over $8 million a season to wear midnight green. And he is still the number one tight end on this team. Dallas Goddard has shown flashes of potential. He has shown that he can make a couple big plays. But the reason that Dallas Goddard makes the plays that he does is because he is the second tight end and he is the blocking tight end. If you look where he's made his success, it's staying in and blocking and then releasing uh, into the flat or releasing downfield uh, past the linebacker and, and into like the second and third levels of a defense. Uh, Carson Wentz was a, a threat to run, make plays. So uh, that was that offense. He benefited so much from that. And again, as far as the other guy on the other side, Zach Ertz, that tight end, because of what he brought to the table, he had a guy on him all the time. He was the Eagles' number one ride receiver for years. And think about that, where their wide receiving core was so poor, their running backs made plays. Sure, they did some wheel routes and dump offs, but Zach Ertz was the number one wide receiver on the team for five years. Uh, again, setting records at his position for what he did. And I think that's why he feels he's a little slighted for what he brought to the table, made two of the biggest catches in Eagles history, which people do forget with all the other plays. Uh, first down to keep it going and the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. I don't think that. He is washed up and he's done. I think people are a little worried that, you know, because he hits 30, they're, oh, that's it, game over. And they saw him fall apart a little bit last year. The whole team fell apart. The entire offense fell apart. Just looking at the, the preseason game the other night, he was out there with Hertz. He's going to be a guy that Hertz is going to look for. Uh, he's an established veteran. If he was on another team, if he gets traded to Buffalo, if he goes to Indy to get reunited with Wentz or, or something along those lines, he's going to be the starter. Uh, and he's going to be the starter in this team because he's better than Dallas Goddard. I'm sorry to say uh, people may not believe that people might think that Goddard just it has that next level. But Goddard, if Goddard was better than him in 2018 and 2019, when he was on the roster, he would have been the starter. He would have overtaken him and he wasn't able to do that. And he's never going to be able to do that for another year or two. Uh, I think Ertz still has a good two, three years left, albeit maybe not all with the Eagles. Uh, I am not going to fade him. He's not a top five anymore unless the volume goes back to him. They're loving their wide receivers right now in camp. Zach Ertz to me, until he proves, and, and again, I don't think last year proves it for me, until he proves he just doesn't have it left. I, I still see him as the Eagles' number one tight end, and he's kicking right around the top 10. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if he finished in the top 10 at the end of the year. So last year wasn't... Uh... Wasn't your idea of him falling off? The injury really did it for me. Knowing that he was just not healthy and he had a lot in his head with the contract and stuff. And I think he's he hasn't moved on, but I think it's almost driving him uh, just to prove people wrong. I don't really have much to add on Ertz. The only thing I will say that, that sort of um, stuck out to me was, and a point that I sort of made a note of when looking at Ertz, was the fact that I think he is those years where he was, like you said, the guy those years, there wasn't really many other options on the team. They had okay wide receivers in some of those seasons. I feel like in order for the Eagles to be good and actually make the playoffs or, or at least contend for the, a playoff spot, Hertz is going to have to sort of spread the ball around a little bit more. He's, you know, Ertz is going to have to compete with some other players on, on that team for, for targets. And I know, like I said, you know, you said you didn't rank him in your top five. You have him, you know, you have him at 11. Um, I probably have him too low at 29. Uh, and I probably will and move him for, for Homer too, man. I'm a little, I'm a little upset with that. Well, I have Goddard. I have Goddard much higher. I feel like this is the year that Goddard does take over. Um, I, I still think that there's a shot that Ertz doesn't play for the Eagles this entire season. 
I don't necessarily increase his value. <laughs> it could. I, I was just about to say, I don't know, know that that's necessarily a bad thing for his fantasy value. I, I don't, however, see him staying on the Eagles and having the target share that, that he's going to need in order to, you know, return as a, as a top 12 tight end. That's, that's just my personal opinion. Like I said, 29 is probably too low and I probably will move him up um, in my rankings, but for me, he's not really a guy that I'm going to target and draft and, and put on my on my team. Even even if you're looking in dynasty, he's even if he's got a, a good year or two or maybe even three years left. How good are those years and and how sure are you that there are that many good years left? So uh, I, I don't think that trust me, I, you know, being an Eagles fan, I love Zach Ertz. I, I think that. You know, like you said, those years that he was the guy for our team, he was great. I mean, he was he was everything that you would want in a tight end. And I, I unfortunately, I just think his time is coming to an end, either with the team or, uh, you know, hopefully not for him, but but possibly even his career as a whole. All right, and the last guy that we're going to talk about, and we're going to do this pretty briefly, uh, because it doesn't he doesn't really matter on most fantasy teams. But if you're if you're playing in a tight end premium league or, uh, you know, perhaps a, a dynasty league or something like that. It's possible that drafting this guy might be something that you might want to do. But uh, Eric Ebron from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, last year finished 15th overall. Right now he's going as uh, tight end 26 off of the board, which is basically undrafted. And rightly so. Like I said, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on him. It just uh, I have a little bit more confidence in Ebron than you do. Uh, I have him at 19. You have him at 31. Uh, my my thing with Ebron is he's just one of those guys who I'm not saying he's going to be a, a top 12 guy. Obviously, I have him ranked at 19, so I don't even have him in the top 18. But I do think he's a guy that, uh, at least in the beginning of the season, you can pick him up and stream him if you if you miss out on a tight end, a, a top you know six or seven tight end. You could pick up. Eric Ebron and and start him, you know, as a spot start in a few games here and there. Had five top 10 games uh and only 15 games played last year. So about a third of the time he was he was giving you top 10 results. And uh he was just barely out of the top 12. I think he finished 13th and 14th uh for the week, two of the other the other 10 weeks that he played. So he's he's not a guy who is really gonna win you a week or or win you a league, but he's a guy who you can at least attempt to stream if your, uh, you know, if your tight end gets hurt or if you draft a guy and they turn out to be a bust. I think Ebron's a guy who he's still going to get some red zone targets. He was tied for the team lead last year with 18 red zone targets. So I still think he's, you know, in the land of those touchdown dependent tight ends who don't really get a lot of targets and and yardage. Um, he is a guy who I think. Roethlisberger likes around the end zone. And I think we'll, we'll find quite a few times around the end zone uh, this year. I've never not been a fan of easy E uh, Eric Ebron. Uh, yeah. He was a guy <laughs> like years ago, like uh, you know, he had some, some time there with, with the Colts and, and, you know, he was a player that seemed like he was going to be, he was almost a transition player from, you know, a traditional blocking tight end who can make some plays out of the backfield to some of your more athletic guys that are focal points of the offense. And he always looked like he had that potential, never could quite get over the hump, uh, so to speak. But yeah, definitely serviceable and definitely was you know, almost like with, you know, like the Eagles, you had some teams that were really in weird spots. You had the Steelers who were running the league last year undefeated. And once they lost a game, it was over. Like they literally fell off a cliff. Roethlisberger, he, he never looked quite right last year, but with all the weapons they have as wide receivers, which is part of the reason I'm not big on Ebron now. Uh, you, you saw Deontay Johnson come into his own. Juju is a talent without question. And, and you had this guy, Chase Claypool, who you know, a lot of people shrugged and rolled their eyes when they drafted him. I think he was the third part of that. And yes, Ebron still did finish because he did make some big plays. He did have some impact on the offense. Uh, the running game for the Steelers last year was a little suspect because Connor was banged up once again. Uh, he gave you everything he could, but they they couldn't quite get it together. Going into this season, you do have you carry over the wide receivers 
uh, you enter Najee Harris, who a lot of people have him as a fantasy darling because he comes out of Alabama and he's a guy who looks a little bit to be that wrecking ball, big play, running back, maybe a, a, a future Derrick Henry in the making. Again, Alabama puts out the pros. A big reason, too, that I'm not high on Ebron is uh, they did draft Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, uh, second round, I believe. And I think they're looking at him to be that next level tight end. He put up the stats in college. Um, again, he comes from a great program at Penn State. And I, I just feel like he's got maybe a year left on the roster. And through the season, you'll see you know the rookie start to make his play and get a little bit more involved in the offense. So not fading him from existence, but I feel this is a transition year where uh, again, he may stick with them for another year or two. Or to me, uh, again, I I just see that that is he's a little long in the tooth for me to be that guy. And you're not going to draft a tight end in the second round. Then you say, okay, yeah, he's only 28, but a tight end position, uh, you know, you're borderline offensive lineman. But he's put up some numbers in the past. Does he have something left in the tank? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Pittsburgh's going to be a different team this year. I think they're going to try to open up the offense a little bit more, but. With the issues they have on losing offensive linemen, I think that he may be staying in to protect a little bit more uh, until Ben shows that he's got, pardon the expression, any mobility left. So, yeah, I, I think Fryermuth overtakes him. And, and to me, Ebron, definitely undraftable. Uh, but, yeah, he's not a guy that um, I'm circling the wagons to make sure I get a hold of, even in free agency. All right, man. So I think that does it. That uh, wraps up our quarterbacks and tight ends episode. Hopefully anybody yeah. listening to this will be able to, you know, at least gain some sort of, uh, you know, maybe we mentioned something that they hadn't thought of or something they hadn't heard before. So to hope to put out some good information to, to anybody listening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I haven't gone this in depth on tight ends since uh, I think my bachelor party. So, you know, I definitely want to, uh, you know, definitely want to put something out there make sure people understand that we are, uh, we are doing this for fun and, you know, we're going to be wrong maybe more times than we're right, but, uh, well, at least one of us will. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I definitely see us, uh, you know, moving on to, to bigger and better things through the season. We have talked about the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers and the tight ends. Uh, no, we are not going to get into kickers. We are not going to get into defenses and we are not going to do any IDP. I'm not into that. So at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, moving forward, we're going to talk about draft concepts, uh, maybe a mock, a uh, little, little side bet, I guess, between us. We're already in two leagues now together, head to head. And uh, I think the next so, level. So now you want to lose at a mock draft too? I don't, is that. Is that what you're um, getting at? I'm I'm sorry. I, I I'm just looking down at my shirt. It still says three time champ, and and that's that's in your league, as a matter of fact, if if I'm not mistaken. So you know, at the end of the day, uh, I do appreciate your donations, and and I look forward to a larger one uh, as well as everybody else in in the next one. Getting back to to the legitimacy of where we're at with this, uh, it's been a lot of fun the first few weeks, and again, we're trying to get uh, a little bit stronger social media. I have joined Twitter. And I am hooked. I'm, I I really shouldn't have done it. Uh, I learned it by watching you, Pat. Uh, and I really, I, I do enjoy it. Uh, it's neat. And, and again, hopefully we get the word out because the, the nine routes where it's at. I, I think if everybody really gets into this uh, the way we're expecting and, and supports us, we are going to keep this going for a long time. I'm having a lot of fun working with my best friend here. And again, we'll keep things going. Uh, through the season and and hopefully uh you know maybe we get the the parade on broad street again we'll see if we get to that level of course that means that it's the apocalypse and we'll just have to go with it we might have to throw a parade for you winning another championship i think that's going to happen before the eagles do unfortunately i did win one the year we won one so i mean at the <laughs> same time you know it, things do coincide it's 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 almost like an eclipse and you know you're kind of at the same time they just cross paths ships in the night so to speak but uh <laughs> Definitely, man. Now I'm looking forward to this NFL season. 17 games will be interesting. And I guess we got to talk about that too. What kind of an effect it has on our league and, and other leagues if we're if we're driving, you know, the extra week for points, because I already made one person quit because they were mad that we went extra weeks. So no, I don't want to <laughs> don't want to keep the pattern going. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out at the draft this year, what we're gonna do with the uh with the 17th game and whether we're gonna 
included in our our playoffs or not but that's a discussion for another time hopefully like like you said hopefully we'll be able to get together one more time before the season starts and uh do a, a quick little mock draft episode i think that'll be fun but if not you will hear this content right before the season starts and like i said hopefully it helps so hopefully it helps you in your drafts and and hopefully what we bring you during the regular season helps you uh week to week to make the moves that you need to make to to win your fantasy league. So with that, we're going to sign off for, for now. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you back here next week, folks. See you next week, folks. Take care.